Self-worth is the unlock. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage Podcast. I'm Scott. I've traveled full-time as a nomad for the last five years in my truck, living minimally, hiking, exploring as part of my therapy to heal my mind, body, and soul, becoming a self-care savage, and creating a platform through social media to hold myself accountable and show my progress through and how I live it. This podcast, we will push deeper into my history with all the gory details to all the amazing moments rediscovered as I've healed and forgiven myself and cleared the path to forgive others. So in today's episode, I'm focusing more on my dad, talking about from the day I was born through 1970, that first decade. These early years were the time I experienced most of the physical and verbal abuse, which had a huge impact on me. And that's what I carried through the rest of my life. But the other piece to it is as I got into the self-care savage path and got into healing and forgiving, my dad was a big part of that. And it, it revealed layers of things that I had buried over that I'm very grateful for today that I have now re-remembered. I hope you enjoyed this episode and a little bit of the dynamics between me and my father. So let's just get into it. We're going to segment my life to make it easier to digest for people to understand and me and hopefully easier for me to, to bring, bring, uh, the information to you so it's more understandable through these 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 timelines. So we're going to take decades. So the first decade, again, I was born and my birthday's on Christmas. I was born December 25th, 1960, almost 61, but 1960. And um, so we're going to focus on from 60 to, to to 70 as the first decade. So so again, I was born into a pretty, pretty chaotic environment already, a pretty tense environment with my mom and my dad. Um, you know, a, 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 a story that, that I was told by my mom on Christmas Day when I was born, uh, <laughs> there's, there's it always seems to be alcohol fueled things in, in, in life, and especially back then. And uh, even though it's so pre- prevalent now, it was it just always shows you you know, alcohol, where alcohol is just always flowing somewhere. But the story my mom told me was uh, I was almost born at home. Uh, the reason why is, is because uh, when she called, uh, she started having contractions or whatever was going on, which she explains it in a way that she felt it was, it was, it was very stressed induced by what was going on between her and my dad that morning or that, that starting of that day. So she called the uh, they or she called the doctor and uh, got all the doctor and said, "Hey, um, this is happening, whatever." And this is sometime late morning. <laughs> this is what she's explaining to me. So she says uh, the doctor, from what she now she recalls and understands, the doctor was very drunk already. So it's Christmas Day, you know, he's already you know enjoying the eggnog or whatever he's doing. So he is doing nothing but pushing back about just calm down, settle down. It's not coming. Maybe I was early uh, a few days. don't know that whole exact story, but there was a lot of pushback. And I guess there was several calls 
back and forth till finally he said, okay, uh, I'm going to, uh, there's another doctor on duty. So I wasn't even delivered by the actual pediatrician that she was using because, <laughs> because again, the story is he was, uh, he was, uh, he was having some fun, early morning Christmas fun. So uh, not that that means anything being brought in the world, but I think it, it sets a little bit of a tone to, uh, you know, my world uh, and, and maybe the world we were navigating in anyways. So uh, early, early on, I relied on my sister and my sister uh, is only 18 months older. And so, she, but she seems to have some more memory recall, some of those earlier years that I did. So just to kind of set up a little bit with my sister and I being born, you know, there's, there's an, uh, my dad, I've, t I've talked about previous episode or somewhere, if not, you'll hear it at some point. So my dad uh, left home when he was 15, went in the Navy, um, you know, uh, that he was shipwrecked at one time. Um, um, I have all that information and it's uh, uh, the ocean and I have all those clippings and stuff. And my cousin has some too. But point being is, so my dad was told after that. So when, where they were shipwrecked, of course, the, uh, the, or of course, I don't know, of course, where he was shipwrecked at, the waters were, I understand, very, very cold. So they were there for a, a, in between a 48-hour and 72-hour point where he was mostly halfway underwater, holding on to debris or whatever else like a bunch of the other guys were until they were able to get rescued so uh, later on, he was down the line, he was told that he uh, did not have a level uh, sperm to, he would never be able to reproduce. He would never be able to uh, to go that route. So so he went with that. And this is, I'm, I'm giving you part of the story setting up again, just just these these things that happened to, to give you a little bit more of the volatility of my dad. Um, so... Um, when my mom was first pregnant with my sister and remember they, they didn't think they could get pregnant. So he, she tells my dad and of course my dad remember also is very much into, to, uh, uh having other relationships and, and, and affairs and all these things, whatever exactly how he's doing that. But so, but my mom tells him this, that, he, that he's pregnant. Now, there's probably a lot of things. Again, I can speculate about what's going on, but I won't do that with him when he finds this out. But his reaction to my mom is that she's cheated on because he can't get anybody pregnant, blah, blah, blah. So he, uh, I understand, again, this is from my mom um, who, like, can't really get any information anymore. Remember, she has Alzheimer's memory care unit. But um, so he he beat the hell out of her. That was again because that was part of their their life. It was that's how the reaction was from an alcoholic man. My dad, his anger, his dysfunction, and all that. That's it was his reaction to things. What usually was angry. He was probably. Uh, drinking or at some point got drunk or got into it. I, I don't believe my dad was much, was very violent when he wasn't drinking. I think there was a little stability in there when he was not. Drinking. 
so that was kind of a, the first part. <laughs> my sister eyes coming, my sister coming into the world and and feeling that again um, with that. So again, they ended up going and getting tested, um, and it, I, I, it, he was tested, and it was found out that he did. And now his body was developing or producing what needed to be produced to to for that to happen. So I, I'm not sure. Uh, some of the stuff in between me and my sister, but she was born in July of 59, and then I was born in December of 60. So that's our 18-month period right in there. Um, and I'm not so sure why it came so quick and, and all that. Um, so, uh, again, I told you the story about Christmas Day and me coming and being born. So this is kind of a setup to things going forward because they just don't get, they don't get much better from this point with my mom and dad being together and where my dad was at that time. So uh, another story just to kind of understand and, and try to set up some things. And these are things I don't remember, but I think they're important because we do know that things that happen to you, even as very young and things like that, they're, they are, you're, st you're still seeing that person. You're still aware of what's going on, even whatever state you are. So it does embed in you. So again, we all know about attachment disorders and things like that, even when you're infants and babies. And if your mom's not, you know, if you're just putting a corner all day and giving something to suck on and read, or excuse me, to uh, stimulate your brain, radio or TV, you, those things develop. So they're, they're very impactful. And I believe they were with me too. So that's why I'm telling them. So again, these are things that are, I get from my sister. So uh, and this was an episode where my dad was um, at home and, I, and he was already, I guess, very, very uh, fueled. He had, uh, he had lubed himself up pretty good. But I guess I was a late walker. So I was not um, walking. Um, I, I guess it was it was something that was known. It's it was always talked about a little bit, and and I just was light with that. Um, and I, my dad. These are some of the things I think triggered my dad. He he just didn't like anything. He didn't like it. I think it it triggered him. It it embarrassed him. Whatever was going on with him, he he uh, he didn't like that his anything that I was slow at, late at, anything like that. Um, he, it just seemed to just, that's when the name calling started, all those things that, that I remember at those ages and, and the verbal stuff and all that too. Anyways, back to this episode, uh, again, that I don't remember because of course I was too young. I don't know exactly when that time frame was exactly. Um, but so my understanding is, is he was wanting me to walk. So, so if you can imagine how I've already set him up and he's already drunk and he's irritated that I'm not walking. So you can imagine he's not probably being very gentle or helpful at this time with with that, but he's he's working it to get me to walk. So he ends up getting frustrated at some point. I don't know the time lengths and all that or exactly how quick it was, but from my understanding is he had enough and he took me and he slammed me down on the ground or on my legs. And it is, I do have some of this. The reason some of this is documented because there are some records on this. So it now of course it wasn't what he did it was it was always explained off of something else even back then they did 
try to pay attention to maybe there being some abuse or what was happening with a kid. And that led, that'll lead to another story too. But anyways, he ended up breaking my, one of my thigh bones. Um, so again, I can only imagine what happened after that. And one of the issues that my, my dad had was he was, he didn't, even though he was do that, he was very cognitive of what everybody else was thinking. So he, he would never wanted anybody to know he was, the way he was and, and, and behind those doors. So anyways, that was an episode that happened. Um, you know, I grew up just, just through this and, um, these are, I think were very, uh, important, the things that I didn't remember. And then the things leading up to the things that, uh, I started to have some recall of, um, but I, I ended up, I was, all these things, whatever they did for me at a very, very young age, getting into three and four and things like that, I was already, uh, I was already spewing my, my hurts and pains out um, in a way that a lot of abused, physically and mentally abused, they, they call it severely. I be I at a very early age became a fire starter. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's one hundred percent online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over thirty thousand licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way. BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage. And... And I don't mean I wasn't setting fires to houses and I wasn't looking to, you know, I wasn't a, a, an arsonist in the sense that let's, you know, let's bring havoc. Uh, it, it, it was a fast, it just, just was a fascinating, it was a release. And I used to have a next door neighbor, his name was actually Scott too. And he was my first little friend. And we, I don't know what was going on in his home. I don't know how it started, but the first time anybody recognized that was that kind of stuff was going on we were probably let's give it four years old i mean enough to go to walk next door and they want to play or do whatever we did and but again back then you're when you're a kid you're you're we were left alone a lot um so you have the ability to do that anyways we ended up in his garage and we were we burned newspaper we just we learned that, you know, that was part of what you did because back then we had wood fireplaces and that's usually what we did. Wood was put in, newspaper was put under it. There was no gas and that's how they, 
So, you know, kid, we, you know, you, you, that's, I think that's where some of that came from because I was always fascinated when, when we had fires. So these were, these were things that were already happening at a very, very young age. And, um, uh, but nothing got to any kind of a danger thing to that state. And I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, afterwards uh, or, or a little bit in, in a later, later time. Um, so, again, just trying to paint this picture. My dad was extremely racist, lots of messages constantly. I had another friend that was probably down the other way. This was a little bit later. I don't know if Scott, the, this other Scott kid moved. I don't know where my engagement came with him other than I think through school to start with, preschool. So maybe getting to be five and stuff like that. But he was he was Jewish. So my mom did not, yeah, my mom did not have, um, my mom didn't have issues with really anybody. She was West Texas girl and came from all that kind of stuff and environment and way people looked at people, but my mom seemed to never touch her. She, she was okay with everybody. Anyways, there was nothing was ever an issue with her. Sometimes I think she used some of these things to get, get to my dad. When I think back, it again, it's a little speculation, maybe trying to, if that's a dot I need to connect. But anyways, I, I, this kid, I started having a relationship with and playing with. I remember during the summer going to his house, he had a very, I was always, I always loved being around these families that were families. There was a mom and a dad. And they engaged and every, you know, the kids engaged. There was laughter. And I remember going over there and I loved going over there because we played slip and slide. There were slip and slides back then and the water was going in the backyard. And, you know, this is in Dallas in the, in the, uh, in the, in the 60s. And so, my, of course, my dad's not around. I don't know when he finds out or what the deal is that he finds out that his dad's hanging around with the Jewish people. But when he did, it that was snatched right out. I mean, I don't remember any engagement with he and I at that time, but that's going to lead to a, another story just to explain this. But but also, and I'm also going to talk about um, the friends I had and, and what makes it interesting is the, the two biggest memories and closest and, and my really closest friend I had in the seventies, which I'll get into, you know, which a lot of this leads into this too, um, were Jewish. And, and I think it, and, and, and a lot of the attraction or what happened with that is um, I was accept, I was just accepted in, in a different way, but I'm going to move, move, move away from that for a second. So another quick story around that, this is where I think my mom was antagonizing my dad a little bit. And he knew, knew she knew she could do that for me. So this is, I think, part of our whole dynamics around everything with their dysfunction. And uh, my mom, you know, she can't escape, escape some of these. And, and I get it. it it's, um, we're all, we're, we're trying to figure it out. Anyways, I got invited to, this is now where I am, I think, I think I'm in first grade. This is when I am that six or seven. This is getting about where it's it's the, the, the their their marriage is ending because I live at we live in Dallas. They bought some property in Frisco. And Frisco was a dirt track back then. I don't know if anybody knows anything about Texas, but it was not what it is now. Frisco is a very prominent, one of the best places to live, kind of Collin County, Dallas, Dallas area. And they sold our house 
um, and we moved into an apartment while they were going to build a house. And this was across, anyways. So uh, around these apartments was a, a, a part of the town at that time, part of that area that was a little bit uh, challenged poverty-wise and things like that. And there, there, there was a, a, a lot of, remember this is North Dallas, and I don't know how to say these things and you know, how people know where I come from with these things, but it was a, it was a black area. It was uh, a black, and was close to where I was. I was in the apartments, and of course I was out trying to mess things up and, you know, as a kid, being the way I was. And, but anyways, I ended up, we end up having in North Dallas, this is the one uh, black kid that's in the school that lives in this neighborhood or this little, there's a string of five kind of rundown houses in this one area real close. So he invites me to his birthday party because for whatever, he was in my class and, you know, again, not so sure how that connection happened other than I think we started playing because we were close by and we ended up connecting around. So, of course, my mom lets me go to his birthday party. And, you know, I don't have any thoughts about anything or anything like that. Um, but my dad finds out my mom lets me go to a birthday party with, with uh, a black kid. So... <laughs> this is again where these this all this this uh, uh, violent behavior that he has and triggers him, and it just gets put off. This is or things are so messed up for him, it gets put put off on me and my mom. Anyways, I really don't have any idea what happened to her because that's probably one of the most severe beatings that I ever took. And during that time, making sure it was understood that was not ever going to happen was not appropriate. Just, just got annihilated. Shortly thereafter, when my mom left, this is where this is. So I wanted to just kind of paint a little thing, a long story here, but I just, I think it's important to set up just the volatility around things that happening. Um, There's just a lot of verbal stuff. Uh, you know, uh, if my dad was not, um, if he was not drunk or things like that, he was still very verbal. He was still, there was still shoving. There was still, you know, walking by him. You had to be careful because there was going to be a slap behind the head or there was going to be something that was just, just, you know, stupid. So my sister is kind of, she's, she's just observing a lot of this. He's, you know, there's, she came out of this without that kind of abuse from him. Now, my mom, she had, I think, some issues with girls. Uh, I'm not sure what that was. My sister tells me a lot of stories that I don't remember because, we, you know, you try to survive your own lane, even if you're in the same house. But, you know, she, my mom was not very appropriate with her a lot. You know, a lot of that, you know, you're fat, a lot of that, you know, just all those those messages back then. And, um but she she did deserve she's the one that can feed me a lot of information and helps me a little bit things too she was the one that always my dad was home we're at the dinner table she was you know because i like to talk <laughs> can you tell um 
But she would always say, Scott, Scott. She she would all she'd be that one that would tell be telling me to be quiet. Because as soon as I said something dumb, inappropriate, stupid, whatever, that you know, things started. Um anyways. So that that's kind of that that relationship with my dad at those early, early years and that zero seven before my mom left him and and just so many other stories in between that. Um but you have to remember there's there's through a lot of all of that, that my dad was always considered my monster. That was all of those. And especially learn how to survive as, as you know, I got older through that. I was able to escape a lot of things. Other things that, that, that happen with you is, is when you when you're being abused and you're in the volatile environment. My mom probably would have been a different mom if, but she was in her own survival mode. So again, there's always neglect and loneliness going on. So you have, you learn how to self soothe yourself a lot. So one of the things that, that drove my mom crazy, but also triggered my dad when he was home, um, was I was, when I was in bed a lot and I was doing this against the banging my head against the bed. And um, that's, these are the, the, the damage that I, that get lost because what parents are taught, doctors tell the parents when they go, Hey, my kid's banging his head against the wall. They just don't tell them, you know, well, he, you know, there's violent behavior and alcoholism and all these things going on. You know, they don't set any of that up and doctors, Everything was relied upon your MD doctor, the pediatrician. They were the one, they were the know-alls to everything, you know, back then. So there was never any really good, good advice or good uh, promotion uh, of what to do around those things like that, other than, you know, there's something wrong with me, which, again, I was certainly developing there being a lot wrong with me, but um, that's what you looked at. The other piece here that, uh, and then, well, I certainly I had a learning disability. That was dyslexia. Back then, dyslexia was just maybe I've done a lot of research on that. At that time frame, middle sixties, dyslexia was being talked about. You know, it was being something that needed to be explored and things like that. But nobody knew about. It. Teachers didn't know about things like that. So back then, and I did not have, when I went in preschool, um, first grade, second grade, and all that, I, I was not, um, I was not dyslexic by any means, uh, from any, by any adult's imagination. I was stupid. So, so that was going on too. That, again, everything is just driving my self-worth or any self-worth into the freaking ground. Nowhere to go, no, no anything. And so... That was probably the most severe part is in these 60s that those first seven, eight years of development to where I was getting all these messages that are that lead to, to you know, uh, you know, later, later issues. And um, and then also being a little ADD and things like that. So so that was a lot with my dad. Um, just kind of give you a, 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 another setup and and. But as I also, when I'm, when I'm doing this, I want to try to get everybody to understand 
that I've forgiven my dad and I've, I understand where he came from and I have not let him off the hook. It's, uh, but I, all that stuff that happened to me covered up everything else. If there was any ounce of goodness, good interactions, something, my dad trying somehow, I buried that. So, so that was where that became my responsibility going decades further when I became an adult, not doing work, not, not working on myself, not taking accountability responsibility from that point on and still staying in victim and blaming him and never seeing any of the good anymore. It was gone. It was covered up because it, it, you just grow into that and it's just easier that way. And, you know, um, and, I healed and, and, and a lot of that and, and forgave him when I was at his grave at one time. He's been dead 22 years now. Um, I started immediately seeing things different. And I started immediately a lot of the, this, this, this stuff that worse and things that, that were um, actually good interactions started coming to the surface. And I needed that. I mean, that was part of that. For, I didn't know that was going to happen. I had no idea I was going to, you know, remember some of these things. But then I remembered some of those times where he, you know, my dad was was a funny guy. You know, he he was uh, he, you know, he told jokes. Uh, he was he was he had some goodness in him. And, you know, uh, and I, I remember we found this this parrot, this little parrot. Uh, it was actually the green one, the little green one, things like that, that flew into our yard or our front porch or something. And it was obviously escaped from somebody's uh, uh, cage or whatever, because it was somewhat domesticated. I think it was hungry or whatever. But it, it allowed us to pick it up. Uh, for some reason, my dad took to this parrot. So my dad, you know, back then, a lot of, he was still, uh, he was a supervisor and things like that, but he was still a, uh, construction and back then you know they wore every every man wore a, a white undershirt and so I, I just have this visual of my dad sitting at the table and he's got his white undershirt on and his khaki long pants and his slipper kind of deal why do you remember those things i don't know but he he this parrot would just be walking around on his shoulder so when i look at that that's a very soft moment of my dad that's a very Something he's let in, you know, I mean, yes, it's a parrot, it's a bird. But, you know, there was there was something he, he was giving some attention to and letting run wild around him without, you know, you know, getting triggered or things like that. So it was actually a time in our life when or, or at that time period, I don't know how long it was, that it was a little bit calmer because. He was a little calmer. Um, again, that when when he was drunk, it's just a different story. I mean, um, I'm sure the, the the parrot got that message pretty quick, but probably stayed away too. So um, those were things that started coming to service. You know, he did take me fishing. Um, he, you know, he 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 did make some effort. He just never came to anything that, that happened or anything I did. And then there's just one other memory that I think is amazing. I don't I don't really know. Uh, my sister remembers it. My mom remembered it. 
But I was in, I think, this, when they sold the house, went into that apartment, I had, now I had just gone into second grade. You know, I think. I think, I think that's about right. Preschool, then seventh grade, and then I, uh, when I went into second grade. But I'm not sure if it was a time they, he knew they were splitting up or, or he was feeling something or whatever. But for some reason, he never would get involved in anything, school or anything. But uh, there was a science fair. I remember I was in second grade. And I never, again, when you have no self-worth, you don't know what to do. You certainly don't want to create anything anybody's going to criticize. None of this stuff. So I just, I, I just, for whatever reason, I didn't do anything. But my dad did something for me. And again, parents a lot of times do things, do their projects for their kids. And why my dad did this, I don't know. But he remember he was in the construction industry, a lot of electrical stuff and, and the way it connects and all that. This is back in the 60s, so it's a little bit different. So he created a science project for me, which was really interesting. He took a flash, like a flashlight, little light bulb, you know, those little light bulbs out of the flashlight. And he took a pencil, a piece of string, and a piece of aluminum. And he's, you know, rolled aluminum up. That was like the size of a pencil and then the the uh, uh, the string made the string all of the same size. And then he took a battery. I don't remember what it, exactly the battery size was or whatever, but he took the battery. And so here was the science project. And this is, again, second grade. And this has actually boosted my self-esteem at that point for a minute. That was one of those little moments he did give me. But I'm like, I don't know what this is. You know, whatever. And it was simple. This is how simple it was. This is how connect, how electricity or how energy goes from this, this whatever, however he explained it. And he knew about all this because this is how this stuff worked in his world. And so if you if you if you put the string on it, you know, it's there's no connectivity. It's not going to connect. You know, the materials, whatever. Can't remember exactly how it was explained. And then the pencil it was wood, blah, blah, blah. That did not transfer either. But the aluminum connected, put it on that side of the battery. And, uh, and I'm explaining this to you like you explained to me, I think. Um, and then you connected it to the little, that little um, the bulb, that bulb lit up. So just kind of explaining however that was. So um, I actually won second place. In this science fair. Now, there, there, I don't have another story like that, but just trying to, to, to get you to understand, you, know, you never know what's going on in anybody's life. I know where his history is, now, but I don't know what stage that was, if he was feeling some remorse because they were fixing to get whatever. But it didn't, that doesn't matter. He gave me, there was something there. And if I would have remembered some of those things instead of burying them, I believe things maybe not would have gotten so messed up. But when you feel like you have nothing to draw from and you take that victim mentality and you just let it consume you, it's you're, it's not going to let goodness in. And till you heal and forgive and understand and give that, give, you know, again, you you will see things differently and you'll talk about it differently and it will not affect you going forward in most in most cases unless you just stay in there so 
that is my dad, where we came from, just setting that up a little bit, understanding, you know, the monster at that time. And then, you know, a, a, a little bit moving forward. There's so many other things in there, of course, but we're not going to get into every little gory detail. But that was my dad. Thank you for listening, and I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.